Father, we come now to the reading of your word. We need you even to have ears that hear. Open our ears to hear what you have to teach us. The reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. So glad this is not some passive-aggressive note. This is where my cynical brain goes when I see a note sitting on the pulpit. What we're doing this uh, winter and spring is we're looking real slowly at the Lord's Prayer and the teachings of Jesus, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, and then we'll um, look at the rest of Matthew also. Jesus taught us about God's heart, and this is fundamental to human existence. 
not just followers of God, but if God exists, how do we interact with him? How do we understand him? How does our mind and our imaginations and our feelings engage the very idea of God? And if community is important, if friendship is important, how do we do it? What are the right and the wrong ways to do community? If we have work to do in the world, somewhere along the spectrum of I fully identify myself with my work, like that's who I am, or I hate work, what's actually the right way to approach the work we are to do in the world? That's why the front of our bulletin says worship community, and faithful presence. That's why we talk about this all the time, God, community, and the work you have to do in the world. Because that's what it means to be human. And God has given us direction in all of those ways. And when we receive it, we become more and more fully alive as humans. That's the good news. Jesus taught us about God's heart by teaching us to relate to God as our Heavenly Father. Talk about heaven next week. Today we're focusing on Father. Last year we went very slowly through some rich theological categories about Jesus. This year we're going very, very slowly through a prayer that I think most of you probably have memorized. Maybe you memorized it differently than uh, the way we do it here at the barn with debts. Maybe you learned sins or uh, trespasses. Kind of like all of them for different reasons. I think it's worth slowing down. And the hope is when you return to the Lord's Prayer, your image of Jesus, your sense of him, your knowledge of him, your feelings about him are enhanced and encouraged through this series. I don't know how you read the Bible. For me, it helped with Matthew to speed up, to read it faster. Then I didn't get as tripped up by some of the things Jesus says, like, whoa, really? Cut my eye out? What's he getting at? If I read it faster, I recognized themes that Jesus comes back to over and over again. Sometimes slow down. This particular Bible doesn't have a concordance in the middle of it, and I love that. You know what the concordance is? It's that section of all the scriptures abbreviated that some link directly, some indirectly to the scripture you're looking at. It's a good way to study the scriptures. I don't like reading the Bible with concordance, though. What about you? Sometimes when when we're having trouble understanding or being gripped by or even interested in scriptures, helpful to change it up. For me, with Matthew, reading it faster was helpful. You know why I have books in my study here at the church? For me and for you. You can borrow them anytime. If you leave me a note, I'll be less confused that week if I'm looking for that book, but you don't even have to leave a note. You can just borrow them. That's, that's why they're there. That's why I keep them there. Some of my favorite ones I have both at home and at work, and if you think that's silly, that's fine. I love books. Jesus taught us about God's heart, and it's essential that we learn from him. If God exists, what's he like? A father. He's like a father whose father? Ours. Talked about this last week. We're going to talk about it over the next few months. If you've got it, your mind and your emotions, 
your sense of Jesus and knowledge of the Scripture, then be comforted and encouraged. Jesus taught us about God's heart as a father who's strong. When you doubt, your doubt will probably flow from or near one of two questions. Is God actually all-powerful? And is he good? Whether it's direct or indirect, your doubts will flow from those questions. Usually more one than the other. And that's why it's worth pausing and looking at the picture Jesus both lived out and also paints of who God is. He references God as Heavenly Father 42 times. So if he's that repetitive, we can take a minute and consider, what is God like? He's strong. And I know for some of us, uh, it's very troubling because of our earthly fathers. Whether they were good and limited, or not there, or harmful, can be very challenging. My old pastor told me once that he uh, sometimes prayed for his parents by their first name. And that was an indirect way that it helped him to both pray for them and more quickly remember that God's strength is never used to harm, is always used in love. Jesus taught this and then he helped us understand it by displaying his power over evil, death, disease, and nature. Over and over again, the disciples saw his strength. Then when he would return and teach them again, they understood a little bit more. His miracles and healings are almost entirely designed to support what he taught. God is not only a strong father, he's also a soft place to land. I heard that phrase this week and I thought it was lovely. And for most of us, it's hard to understand that, much less be gripped by it. Read Psalm 131 as it describes the warm heart of God. Matthew 11 talks about the warm heart of God. And this is your at least yearly reminder that your anxiousness is not a sin. There are vice lists in many books of the Bible, and this word is never used in them. There are virtue lists in many, many books of the Bible. And lack of anxiety isn't there. This is Jesus encouraging you. Paul uses very similar, or teaches something very similar. Peter teaches something very similar. And the word here, from what Mike read, for us, is probably better understood as over-anxiousness. Because the things that you're anxious about, I know we talk about this a lot, but we, Jesus spent some energy on this, so we're going to spend some energy on this. The concerns in your life are legitimate. And there's a point where you can be over-concerned with them. And Jesus is describing what Paul would say is casting your cares on him. And when you do so, remember that he is a kind gentle, loving, strong father. He is not mad at you. He's not disappointed 
in you. He's not frustrated with you. When you set aside time to pray and all you can do is sigh, the Spirit sighs with you. Romans 8. When you start to pray and you're thinking about your friend and you're remembering that God is their good father and you have no more words, he is alongside you. Jesus taught us about God's heart as a father who's strong, warm, and accessible to us. Sometimes when we talk theologically, one of the problems is why I'm deliberately using regular mundane words. Sometimes when we talk theologically, we indirectly imply that God is not accessible to us. To model this teaching, this happens more than once in the Gospels. This is in Matthew 19. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Jesus taught us about God's heart as a father who loves his children. I know that this is basic Christianity. And it is good to sit in it because Jesus taught it over and over and over again. We receive his fatherly care in a childlike way, a way that doesn't mind repetition, a way that's, that's open to wonder. Chesterton says something about, we don't know if God doesn't say to the son every morning, good morning. Because he doesn't mind repetition. He's not cynical like we are. And when Jesus welcomed the children, he encouraged his people that receiving the Father heart of God is done in a straightforward, childlike way. Those of you that are married, I have a hunch that your worst arguments are in part from wanting your spouse to be more than they can be. Jerry Maguire was spot off when he said, you complete me. None of you are capable of completing anyone else. You can't do it. You shouldn't try. It's an adventure in missing the point. And what happens in close relationships, not just in marriage, is we long for the other person to offer us more than they can, usually in our weaker moments. This is why it's so important to be gripped by the good news of Jesus and his teaching on the Father. It frees our relationships from disproportionate expectations. Simsbury is teaching me to look at my children's success for my own happiness. And I get to go to the gospel and unlearn that and attempt to convince my child who's not here this morning, so I say this with a little more freedom, it's okay to make bees. And if she was here, she's like, I know, Dad. That's where learning from Jesus about the heart of God frees us into real life. Look at our savings account because it's wise to plan, but we don't expect it to give peace to our heart. And then we're freed with our work in the world to neither fully identify with it nor despise it. 
when we learn the Father heart of God who then guides us into life. This is such a, a mushy sermon, right? The Father heart of God is warm and accessible. But when we read elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount about Jesus waving his arms about the dangers of lust, if we don't know his heart, we won't receive that teaching. When Jesus tells us how not to judge people and consider them less than human, if we know the Father heart of God, we receive that teaching as a good guide to life. Jesus taught us about God's heart as a father who loves his children. This week I, uh, I fixed a door in my house. It wasn't staying shut. And um, I thought about how do I learn to fix this? Do I have this giant book, you know, that would probably tell me? I thought about YouTube. And then I ended up just looking at the door for long enough. I figured out how to do it. And it, it, it actually stays shut now. Achievement unlocked. Thank you. Thank you. And some of you are like, how do you not know how to do that? And others of you are like, I have no idea. In all of life, we have these questions. And where do we go for answers? I'm afraid we go too quickly to the chatbot or to Google or to YouTube and not to the section of the scripture that if you have a red letter Bible is entirely red. This is the description of the flourishing life that's available to you right now. When Jesus teaches us to cast our cares on him, to look at the birds and the flowers, this is not a life free from trouble. That's not what these verses are about. A lot of uh, very, very, very misguided ministers have attempted to convince people of that. If you would just this, you will have a pain-free life. That is not only unbiblical, that's actually the opposite of what the Bible teaches. And yet there's a, there is something for us to learn here, both about the Father heart of God and how to receive it and integrate it so that we're living out of it. I don't like Canadian geese up close. They're mean. Have you ever had one hiss at you? Did you know they hiss? Yeah. It's amazing. I'm a lot bigger than every goose I've ever met, but it scares the pants off of me when they hiss. But have you ever watched one land? It's beautiful. Jesus reminds us or encourages us or teaches us. Go ahead and go to that last image. To look at the birds. This is a painting done by one of our members who uh, recently moved to California, to look at the birds and the flowers that are still months away and to remember that your heavenly Father loves you. He is strong and warm and accessible. And if that sounds mushy, just read the whole Sermon on the Mount because it has all sorts of other places to convict us with respect to our words generosity but the beginning is knowing 
the Father heart of God. Would you pray with me? God, we long to understand as thoroughly as we are able. We long to integrate that understanding with our emotions. We long to worship you joyfully. We long for our relationships to be ever more sanctified. Holy Spirit, would you comfort us? strengthen us in our love of you and the neighbors you've put into our life? Would you give us guidance away from temptation? Would you protect us from evil? Calm and quiet our hearts before you, Father. Amen.